Welcome to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Behold Israel provides biblical teachings through its tours, speaking events, and social media. It's also a reliable and accurate source for developments in Israel and the region. Amir's live updates and teachings are based on God's written word. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app, available on Android and Apple, under Behold Israel. I wanted to share with you this morning a message about a promise. A promise that often is being ridiculed, often is being ignored, hidden, uh, fought against. And um, this is an important, important message, I believe, because so many Christians are confused about that very promise. There's a lot of confusion in the church regarding many things. Uh, But this one is very critical, I believe, because this is really the blessed hope that we all should have in these very dark days. You know, uh, many countries are just falling apart as we speak right now. One after the other, they collapse. It's not only with COVID, it's, it's way more than that. Corrupt governments, tyrannies, places uh, such as uh, South Africa, we see great uh, turmoil going on there. It has nothing to do with COVID. Uh, places such as in Iran and in Iraq and in Lebanon and Syria, places like... Um, Europe, England, France, there's chaos all around the world. It seems almost as if we made it to the peak and now we're on our way down and we're spiraling down and we are picking up speed and and, and situation is getting out of control for so many governments and then the radical elements are coming out of their holes and of course they try to take over and uh, there is a very deep uh, lack of trust of people in their own governments. And before you know it, the world is going to cry out for a different type of government system where it's not going to be a, 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 a government over a single country, where it's going to be centralized, where it's going to be um, a cleaner, nicer, better, and more secure way to handle affairs. We're already moving that direction when it comes to the uh, monetary system the crypto uh, world is blooming and be- is becoming the global currency very soon. We're watching, we're watching a rise of a one-world religion, which a lot of you may not pay attention to, but uh, we see a growing attempt for ecumenism uh, to empty Christianity from Christ and to fill it with good deeds, good works, uh, say good, be good, do good, accept everyone. And there is no one way, one truth, one life anymore. Always leads to God. We see that all around us nowadays. And we must be even more so on the watch. Let's pray and ask God to bless this word today. Father, we thank you for your word. Your word is truth. And we ask you to sanctify us today by that truth. We do not want to have our own opinion, our own uh, portion here. But we want your word to be proclaimed today from this pulpit. Thank you. We bless you in Jesus' name. Amen. 
So the title of the message this morning is The Promise. And again, there's a lot of promises that we were given by God. Many promises Jesus gave to his disciples. But there's one promise, one promise that is often being ridiculed, being attacked, being hidden or ignored. It's interesting. 97 to 98% of those who call themselves Christians are actually staying away from this. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 23 to 25, Let us hold fast the confession of our hope, there is a hope, without wavering, for he who promised, there is a promised hope, is faithful. So we need to hold fast, that means it's coming. But we need to remember that he who promised in the past is faithful. So we can clearly see that we're talking about something that is approaching. Because the Bible says, let us consider one another in order to stir up love and good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another. And so much so, the more, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So there's a hope for a future event, and there is a promise that was given in the past. You know, Isaiah says, I am God, there is none like me, declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. Isaiah 46 verses 9 to 10. This is amazing because God declares the end from the beginning. He wants us to know. And, 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 and His plans are not depending on our faithfulness or our um, uh, uh, I guess, the level of our spirituality. Your decision to walk with Christ or not will affect your location when God is fulfilling His promises. That He will fulfill. For He who promised is faithful. If, even if we are faithless, the Bible says in 2 Timothy 2.13, He remains faithful. Because he cannot deny himself. This is our God. And it's interesting because not even a single promise of God can even be left unanswered and unfulfilled. For all the promises of God in him are what? Yes. And in him, amen to the glory of God through us. God is a wonderful promiser and he's a faithful one. And he who promised is faithful, of course, to fulfill it. Now I'd like to talk for a couple minutes about you. How many of you here are Gentiles? Well, all of you once were without hope, without God, without Christ. Strangers from God. You know, when we talk about the mystery of the Messiah, the mystery of the Messiah, the mystery of Christ, it's amazing to think about the Messiah being God in the flesh and the Messiah not just being the Messiah of Israel, but for the whole world. You who, are, who once... Gentiles in the flesh, the Bible says, 
who are called uncircumcision by what is called the circumcision made in the flesh by hands. Remember, remember, he asks you to remember. Remember that at that time you were without Christ. You're being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. You see, Israel received many promises. And even when they were faithless, God remained faithful to his promises to the nation of Israel. In the past, in the present, and in the future. You see the return of the Jews back to their land? That miracle that is happening before our very eyes? It's not happening to a Christ-loving, Christ-following nation. No, not yet. But God is faithful. And you were once foreign from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers from what? From the covenant of what? Of promise. See, that's our God. He's, he, he has covenants of promise. You had no hope. You were without God in the world. But what? But now, in Christ Jesus, not through anything else, not through your good works, not through your good looks, not through your good cooking, not through your whatever. There is absolutely nothing about you that caused God to save you. We love Him because what? He first loved us. So He says, now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far off have been what? You have been brought near by what? Your good works? Mm -mm. But I'm a good person. No, you're not. <laughs> all have sinned and fell, short, and fell short of the glory of God. All. And all is all. Oh, I don't think I agree with that. Well, I don't ask you. <laughs> God is saying that all have sinned and fell short of the glory of God. All is all. And you who were far off, you have been brought near only by the blood of Christ. I always say that God, since the death and resurrection of Jesus, has a lens, a filter on his lens through which he sees us. And that filter is the blood of Jesus. And when that filter is there, he sees us perfect, unblemished. Remove that blood of Christ. Oh, you don't want to know how we look. Mm. It's almost like uh, you're going to take a photo shoot somewhere and they put bad lighting. Mm. Ladies and gentlemen, in Hebrews 12 it says, Now he has promised, saying, Yet once more I shake not only the earth, but also heaven. Now this, yet once more, indicate the removal of those things that are being shaken as of things that are made. Everything we make, everything that we create, everything that we think is going to last, will not last. Look, I was in New York City the day those two towers came down. I was on them the night before. I was actually surprised that they have not been attacked yet because I remember that years earlier they tried to bomb them from underneath, from the parking garage. 
And I even asked the host, what's going to happen if something is going to hit those buildings? Will they fall to the right, to the left? I mean, they're going to destroy everything all around them. And my host said, it's funny that you're asking that, but the way they build them is to collapse like a stack of cards when they the pressure is applied. And I'm like, wow, the next morning, the skyline of New York changed forever. The things that are made will collapse. But then he says that the things, as, as of things that are made, but that the things which cannot be shaken, which are the things of God, may remain. I want you to know that even in the Old Testament, God already promised you, not just Israel, you. The prophet Daniel was, is one of my favorite prophets. The prophet Daniel is the most important prophet for the times of the Gentiles. You see, most of the other prophets were dealing with God's promises to Israel in the past, confronting Israel for their sinful uh, ways in the present of that time, and the future promises for Israel in the millennial kingdom. But Daniel saw the transition of power from the kings of Israel to Nebuchadnezzar, and he also understood from all the visions that he received that that will continue until Israel will be saved only then in the end, and that's when Israel will be once again the head of all the nations. And that will be in the millennial kingdom, of course, when they are all saved because they believe in Christ as he comes back. But you understand that Daniel wrote us about the nations, about the Gentiles. And he could see that from the nations, God is going to gather saints of the Most High. Now look at yourself. You may find it hard to believe, but you are the saints of the Most High. I, Daniel, was grieved in my spirit within my body, and the visions of my head troubled me. I came near to one of those who stood by, and I asked him the truth of all these, of all this. So he told me and made known to me, and, 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 and the interpretation of these things, those great beasts are the are four, there are four kings which are rise out of the earth. These are kingdoms. These are empires. They are going to rule this world one after the other. And look what he says. But the saints of the Most High. He's not saying but Israel. He's not saying but the Jews. He's saying but the saints of the Most High. They shall receive the kingdom. Eventually they shall receive the kingdom. And they will possess the kingdom. For how long? Forever, even forever and ever. You can actually print a business card. Future governor. <laughs> you will reign with him. As I was browsing through the internet to find what is it that the internet is having on the promises of Jesus to his church. Tons of websites. Some are weird. But many are okay. All of them are... In between seven to ten promises, I chose the seven ones that I'll show you in a few seconds. And it's very interesting. Seven promises. They love that number. The first one is life. 
The promise of life. You know, the Bible says that even when we're alive, we're dead in our sins. And when Jesus is coming into our lives, he gives us life. And Jesus said to his disciples in, in, in Matthew 16, If anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to have his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. If you pursue your own things, you will just lose it. But if you pursue the one who created life, you will then find life. That's why in John 10, 10, he says, The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Second promise is acceptance. We're being accepted in the beloved. John 6, 37 says, All that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. Those who come to him, he will never reject them. Acceptance. Think about Mary Magdalene. Think about how many demons she had. Think about the fact that their, her parents must have been ashamed of her. They never even introduced her to anyone. I mean, having that many demons manifesting themselves each time differently, I mean, that's the last thing you want to do. When, when you introduce your daughter to someone. She was not married. The Bible says she was following Christ because he's the only one who accepted her. She found life in him. That's why she was the first one by the tomb Sunday morning. She's the one who saw him not knowing it's him. She's the one who asked him, tell me where you put him so I will take him back. She, she, she couldn't say no. Because she was accepted. By him, while everyone rejected her. We have that wonderful acceptance. All that the Father gives me I will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast him out. That's Charles Spurgeon says it's one of his most favorite verses. The third one is reward. Yes, there are future rewards. But the Bible says that Jesus in Mark 10 says... He answered and said, Assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or fathers or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive hundredfold now in this time houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and land with persecutions. Yes. And in the age to come, eternal life also. It's another reward. But many who are first will be last and the last first. We know that. Jesus requires sacrifice. And of course that will give us great reward. Fourth one is revelation. Jesus said in, Matthew, in John 14, he who has my commandments and keep them it is he who loves me and he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. I will reveal myself to him. The revelation of who Christ really is will be there. You, you can walk physically with Jesus and still not have the revelation of who he is. The disciples, Jesus told them, I am going, the Son of Man has to suffer, have to be killed, 
has to be buried and he will resurrect on the third day. He told them that over and over again and again. And, and when that happened, they did not believe. They did not have yet the revelation of who Christ is. The Old Testament said that he has to be resurrected. They didn't understand that. They didn't have the revelation. Number five, friendship with God. We have been promised amazing friendship. He who has, who has my commandments and keep them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my Father. And, of course, that friendship of Jesus with, um, uh, with uh, his disciples is something that is promised and hard to find anywhere else. Joy. He promised us joy. He said in John 15, As the Father loves me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. We need to... To have the joy of the Lord. He promised that joy. Trust me, 2,000 years ago, things were as bad as they are now, maybe even worse. You think this is the first pandemic on planet Earth? Do you think the world stopped right now? Do you think this is as bad as it can get? No. It was way worse, and it will be even worse than that. I, I come to give you goodness today. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Jesus even promised trials. He said in 2 Timothy 3.12, Paul writes and says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Even in Matthew chapter 5, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said, Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when they revile and persecute you and say all kinds of evil against you falsely for my sake. We will be persecuted and <laughs> that's a sign of blessing. Oh, they say some bad things to me because of my faith. Well, you're blessed now. It says, blessed are you if they do that. Now, please have the joy of the Lord. <laughs> so I just gave you the seven promises. And I search for more. I search for the one I wanted to talk about. It's not there. As I said, 97 to 98% of people who call themselves Christians, of churches who call themselves Christians, and not to mention the rest of the world, they have a problem with that which Jesus said in John 14, and I'll read it in a second. That promise that I'm about to tell you about is attacked and is ridiculed mostly by Christians. Jesus said that I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go, I will come again, what? To receive you to myself and then look what he says look we are here on earth Jesus is right here with his father last time I checked my Bible says seek those things which are above where Christ is Colossians 3 the right hand of the father okay and then look what he says I will come again 
to receive you to myself. Watch this. He's coming to receive us that where I am, you may be also. Now he could have said, I will come again so you will receive me so where you are, I will also be. But he actually indicated that there is a change of address. He actually indicated that he went to prepare a place for us, that he will receive to, he will come back to receive us and take us to wherever he is. What are you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Sounds weird? No, that's a promise. That is a promise. John 14. 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to who? To you. You see, most of the churches are singing songs, which are beautiful, by the way, about his second coming to earth. So we always sing, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, every eye will see. This is nice. But that's when he comes back to the world. That's why every knee will bow. Every... But... There is another promise here. I will come to who? To you. I have a special meeting with you. The return of Christ for the church has always been ridiculed. And make no mistake, church fathers wrote about the fact that he must take us first. Irenaeus, second century, wrote it in his book. It's not something new. It's something that Jesus himself said that second century uh, church fathers already talked about. And it's something that we have all the right to not only talk about but to hold on to. Second Peter chapter 3 verses 3 to 9. Knowing this first that scoffers will come in the last days. And they, they walk around according to their own lusts. You see, only when you walk according to your own lusts, the things that belong to this world are the things that you love, the things that you hold on to, your lust. Because the Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and all His righteousness. The Bible says, if you indeed were raised in Christ, seek those things which are above. That's the godly way. That's the blessed way. That's the spiritual way. But when you walk according to your lust, then you are attached to this world. And then, when someone like this weird Israeli comes and tells you that, Jesus actually is coming to take his bride to wherever he is. You're going to have a problem with that. Scoffers will come in the last days walking according to what? Their own lusts and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Nothing is going to change. Stop messing our mind. Live your life. Carpe diem. Live the day. What I just said is probably what the people said in the times of Noah. They did not want to hear. Noah was a, a minister of righteousness. Noah preached. Repent. 
Noah and his, and his whole family built an ark that this sanctuary can actually fit in. It was huge. Noah told the people to repent. Noah prepared himself for something great. And they ridiculed him. And, and, and how do I know? Because I'm not, you know, I'm not a prophet. I come from a non-profit organization. <laughs> but I want you to know, the Bible, look what the Bible says here. He says, for this they willfully forget, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of water, and in the water by which the world that then existed perished. He's basically saying those same people willfully forget that the world already once came to an end when they thought everything is okay. You know why they never believed that there's going to be a flood? Because there has never been a flood until that time. They never even saw rain in their life. Those days before the flood, earth was watered and irrigated from underneath. The flood actually created a, a horrible situation where this beautiful canopy that covered every one of us, I'm talking about then, it was just destroyed. Heavy, heavy flood from the cloud. And that's it. That's how all the germs, all the viruses, all the illness, everything started. The balance that God created the world with. That amazing planet that he created and he said, it is good. But then six chapters later, he was already sorry that he created it. Because he, he saw what men were all about. He says, those same heaven and earth, they perished. Remember, he said that. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same ungodly men, no, excuse me, by the same word, excuse me, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, he says, beloved, do not forget this one thing that with the Lord one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years like one day. He says, look, you have to understand, God will fulfill His promise to come and take you. But don't stand there with a stopwatch because God has His own time. And I want you to know there is a reason why He hasn't taken us yet. What is the reason? The reason is this. God is long-suffering. He is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. I guess it contradicts some of the Calvinist claims. God wants all to repent. But there will be a moment. That's it. And it's amazing because we're talking about an unbelievable promise that Jesus gave to his church that he's coming for the church, not for the world. Jesus is coming for the church. If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray the Father and he will give you another helper. See, when he left the church... He said, I will give you another helper. See, Jesus is not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not God the Father. God the Father is not Jesus the Son. This whole oneness theology is wrong and it's unbiblical. He himself said, 
I will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom he, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells within you and will be in you. And he said, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. He says, in the meantime, while I go to the Father's house to prepare a place for you, in that time, I'm going to send you the Helper, the Comforter, the Holy Spirit, and He will guide you. He will show you the way. But I will come to you. Don't worry. I'm still, still going to come to you. He's not just coming for the church. He's coming to what? Take the church. What are you talking about, Willis? Take the church. Yes. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it was not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. Jesus left earth to go to heaven to prepare a place for us. So what is the logic? That if he comes back to take us, it's to take us where to? To the place that he had prepared for us. Hello? 2,000 years those cranes are working up there, building mansions for us. (laughs) If I go prepare a place for you, I will come again and what? I will receive you to myself. That where I am... You will also be. But uh, look at yourself. You don't look good. I mean, don't get me wrong. You look good. But this body cannot inherit the kingdom. You and me, we all have sinful body. You understand that? We all understand that this cannot, in, we, you cannot be in the presence of the Holy God up there in heaven. So in preparation for departure, he says, This I say to you, brethren, the flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does corruption inherit incorruption. Behold, I tell you a mystery. This is 1 Corinthians 15. Behold, I tell you a mystery. What is a mystery? Mysterion in Greek. Mystery. It's something that God talked about, but now we finally understand. He reveals that to us in a way. He says, I tell you a mystery. He says, look at this. We shall not all sleep. The word sleep in the Bible regarding believers is to just die, but we're not really dead because our soul goes immediately to be with Jesus. You understand that whenever you accepted Jesus... You change the direction of your souls. Your soul from now on, because all souls go to where? To Sheol. But only those of Christ, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. He paid the price. And now our soul goes to be with him. So now, when your body is dead, it's just asleep. But we all be changed, he said. 
in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, the last trumpet, it's the trumpet up there in heaven. Heaven is getting ready for our arrival. And look what he says, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. What does it mean the dead will raise, be raised incorruptible? It means that the dead in Christ, their soul is with Jesus, their body is here, even their body is going to change, and the soul and the body have to unite. That sounds too... Well, I want to tell you something. It's biblical. He said himself that he's not coming to earth for us. He's not coming to earth. We have a different meeting place. How many of you ever were in an airplane that it was about to land? And you go through those clouds. That's when the airplanes all which And then you land. Those are the clouds. It's the air. The Bible says, I do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning those who have fallen asleep, lest you sorrow as others who have not, no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring him with him, those who sleep in Jesus. When Jesus will return to take us, he will bring with him the souls of those who died already. And they have to reunite with the body that is being given to them right now. Because how can we get a new body and be with him when those who died earlier are only having their souls there? You don't have us with a body and there with a soul. He says... For this is the way, this, this we say to you by the word of the Lord. Paul is talking to a Gentile church in Thessaloniki in Greece. Probably the only church that didn't have Jews. Because he never quoted the Old Testament in those epistles. And he says to them, he says this, For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout Remember I told you it's in heaven that shout. With the voice of an archangel. And with the trumpet of God. Heaven is preparing to receive us. And look what he says. And he says the following thing. And the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we that are alive and remain. Shall be what? Say the word. Caught up. Everyone let's say it again together. Caught up. Caught up. The Greek word is harpazo. The Latin word is rapturo. The church calls it today rapture from rapturo. Yeah, but the rapture is not in the Bible. I couldn't find that word in the Bible. Yes, because your Bible is in English. <laughs> and it was written in Greek. And harpazo is there. Caught up, taken swiftly, immediately. You and I will be caught up. Caught up where? Together with them, with those who raised from the dead, to where we're going to be in the clouds to meet the Lord where? In the air. 
yeah, but uh, I don't know if I can make it. Yes, you will, because you have a different body. Yes. You will be able to be gone. It's not fantastic. I don't believe the rapture. Yes, but do you believe the parting of the Red Sea? Because the last time I checked, it, it happened also. <laughs> Enoch was raptured. Elijah was taken up. What's the hard po point to understand that it's going to happen to us? Ladies and gentlemen, not only that, we will meet the Lord in the air and thus we shall always be with the Lord. In other words, we're never going to be apart from Jesus anymore. He will come, receive us to himself, take us to where he is, and we will always be with him. In other words, wherever he goes, we go. He comes back to earth, we come back to earth. He reign, we reign. He judge, we judge. We're with him. So now you can have a card. Future judge. Future governor. We have to believe that. You know, there's a bunch of Gentiles that came to the local municipality in the Dead Sea area. Hello, who is the mayor here? Oh, this is the guy. Good. We, we want to buy some fishing permits. The Dead Sea. Nothing grows there. 33% salt. No fish exists there. Fishing permits? Yes, why would you want to do that? Everybody's laughing, of course, but then we thought they're Gentiles. No, it's okay. <laughs> but hey, why would you do that? Why would you buy fishing permits in the place that has no fish? And then they brought the Hebrew Bible. And they opened the prophet Ezekiel. And they showed in chapter 47 that when Jesus comes back, <laughs> there will be an earthquake Water will come out of the Temple Mount. A river of life will flow half to the Mediterranean, half to the Dead Sea. The Dead Sea will come back to life. And fishermen will spread their nets from Engedi until Enegline. And they want to buy fishing permits. <laughs> the Jews are like waiting. They thought, hmm, that's a good business. We don't sell fishing permits. <laughs> we can have it. Ladies and gentlemen, you better believe it. God is faithful. The kingdom now theology that offers the believers motivational speaking and being good people, great people, because we receive the mandate to prepare this world for the return of Jesus. That's not biblical. Jesus is not coming back to this world for us. Jesus is coming back to this world with us. Do you understand that? We do not prepare a place for Jesus. He went to prepare a place for us. And he said, if I, went, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you. Yes. Wait a minute. I thought that uh, he's coming back. And look, there's two different things. The rapture and the second coming. The rapture is when he comes back for us. 
The second coming, it's when he's coming back to this world with us. And there's those that teach the new apostolic reformation that we here prepare a place for him. And indeed, there is a new generation of apostles that are exactly like the apostles of the first century. And they will be uh, receiving the same mantle of the same uh, 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 anointing to prepare this. Come on. The Bible says that the church is built on the foundation that is the prophets and the apostles. We are built on it. It's not on us. It's not coming last. It came first as the sure foundation of the church. John 14. Remember, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And if... And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and receive you to myself. That where I am, there you also may be. And where I go, you know, and the way you know. And not only that he's going to come and take us. He's sparing us from the coming tribulation. Even the church fathers believe that. Irenaeus, I told you. He said... That according to what the disciples and the apostles wrote, the rapture of the church has to happen before. No, uh, we need to go through the tribulation. Be my guest. Stay here if you want. <laughs> you don't have to. We're not destined to the wrath of God, the Bible says. The Bible says that he will keep us from the hour of trial, not through the hour of trial. That is going to fall upon the earth dwellers. We're not earth dwellers. We have a different passport. That we received the day we got saved. We are citizens of the heavenlies. We are only here as ambassadors. We are the ambassadors of Christ the Bible says. We are here on his behalf. And when a war is about to be waged. Ambassadors normally are being called back home. And, and not only that we will be taken. But he's got a full schedule for us. First, we have to stand before him in that what's known as the Bema seat. Where our lives will, as believers will just go right before us. And we will see everything we did for him. And he will test everything we did through fire. And the Bible says, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. Anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. So even when we get to heaven, there's some action going on. We will stand there. Now what do you want? To stand there and like those cartoons, when they burn, you see the smoke coming out of their head? As through fire? Or do you want to receive a reward from Jesus? So like the elders there, you can actually put it back at his feet and give him back that which he gave you. Whatever you do, the Bible says in Colossians 3, do it heartily 
as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. And not only that he will reward us, once he will reward us, we move to the most important part, which is he will marry his church. We are the bride of Christ. The Bible says, husbands love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word that he might present her to himself as glorious church, not having a spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. We should be presented to the Lord as his bride. That's why when he spoke about husband and wife, he says, this is a greater mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church, he says. Revelation 19, I heard as if were the voice of a great multitude, as the sound of many waters, and as the sound of mighty thunderings saying hallelujah for the Lord God omnipotent reigns let us be glad and rejoice and give him all glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready and to her it was granted to be arrayed in what look at that of fine linen clean and bright remember fine linen clean and bright then he said to me, and that fine linen, remember, it's a righteous act of the saints. Then he said to me, write, blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are true sayings of God. And he will return with the church. How do I know that he will return with us? In Colossians, we know that we must think about the things of God. We, we, we must you know, if we indeed we raise with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of the Father. Set your mind on these things, not on the things on earth. For you, you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. Now watch this. Revelation 19. Now I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he who sat on him was called faithful and true, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. Jesus will return to this world to what? To reign and judge and make war. Oh, I, I, Jesus for me is a baby. No, he grew up. <laughs> Jesus is on the cross. No, he was buried. And resurrected. Jesus turned the other cheek. Yes, he came to save the world. But when he will be back, it's to judge the world. He will be riding a white horse. He will come as a man of war. And he will make war. His eyes are like flame of fire. On his head were many crowns. Look at the language. God could see the future. The one that we cannot see. God, for us, it's future. God saw it already. Because God is above time. Everything that hasn't happened yet, God could see it already. So when God is telling us what's going to happen, it's already in past tense for Him. You understand? He sent us an email with an attachment. And He says, it's not maybe, could be, it will be. Because that's what happened already. He is describing here an event that as far as He is concerned, has already happened. 
He's doing us a favor. He's giving us a revelation so we know. And he says he was clothed with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the word of God. Who is the word of God? Jesus. And then we know, and the armies in heaven, not of heaven, the armies in heaven. All of us, how do I know it's us? Because clothed in what? Fine linen, remember? White and clean, we followed him on white horses. I always tell people in the second coming of Jesus to earth, you do not want to see his face, you want to see his back. You're going to ride behind him. If you are seeing his face, that means you were never taken. That means you were left behind. That means you, were, you went through the tribulation. You might be one of the enemies he's coming to fight against. But if you're riding on the white horse behind him, you're his. The Bible says in Zechariah 14, the latter part of verse 5, Thus the Lord my God will come and all the saints with you. Wow. Horseback riding. Classes soon. <laughs> Some Hebrew classes may help. While you do that, I'll have my coffee. Think about it. We'll have new body. Men's barbecue will not affect us anymore. <laughs> Connect groups with lots of food. It's okay. And not only that he will take us to be with him. He will give us the rewards. He will marry us. And he will take us back here. He will reign with his church. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2, this is a faithful saying, for if we died with him, we shall also live with him. If we endure, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he would also deny us. But if we are, even if we are faithless, he remains faithful because he cannot deny himself. Revelation 20 I saw thrones, and they sat on them, and judgment was committed to them. <laughs> judgment was committed to us. Do you believe this promise, the promise that I just told you about? The promise that all the websites about the promises don't mention. The promise of Jesus to come and take us is not mentioned in those websites. It's not mentioned in pulpits of over 97% of the churches worldwide. It's being ridiculed and attacked mostly by Christians who believe that the rapture is not biblical. Although I just quoted only Bible verses. Do you believe the promise? Because I want to tell you something. When Jesus came to Martha, once Lazarus died, he said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And then Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. Basically, he's saying, if you're a believer and you died, you'll resurrect. If you're alive when I'm coming to take you and you're not dead yet, you'll never die. You'll have life. I am the resurrection for those who died in me. And I am the life for those who are alive with me. And then he says, 
Though he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Death for us is gain. <laughs> and whosoever lives and believes in me, when that thing happened and we're still alive, will never die. He shall never die. But then look what he asked her. The million dollar question. Do you believe this? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son to whosoever what? Believes in him. Not doing good works, not doing good things, not looking good, saying good, being good. No. He who believes in him. Jesus spoke to them again saying in John 8, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. John 14, 27. Peace I live with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Yes, pandemic. Yes, governments will fall apart. Yes, wars and rumors of wars. Earthquake, pestilences, uh, volcano eruption. Yes, these are the things that has to happen. They must happen. Because he already saw it happening. He's telling us what must happen. Whenever he said must, it means it happened. He saw it. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Go and try. Try to have a government. Go and start a, a, a communist country and kick God out. Let's see. Ask the Cubans, they'll tell you. Ask the Chinese, they'll tell you. We cannot do anything without Christ. We can pretend that we can do, it'll fall apart. We cannot do anything without Him. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, Jesus said. And that's what Isaiah wrote in Isaiah 61. Because the Lord has anointed me to preach good tithings to the poor, send me to heal the brokenhearted, proclaim liberty to the captives, and opening the prison to those who are bound. Anything that is wrong in this world, anything can be fixed only through Him. With Him, by Him, when He is in us. The thief, remember, does not come except to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I have come that they may have life, not just life. How are you? Fine, saved by grace. No! <laughs> I, to give you life and that they may have it more abundantly. When the whole world is dying, you are alive. That's the testimony of the believer. But you must know the one who made that promise to take us in order to experience it. Come to me, he said, all you who labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. You must know him. Come to him. I am gentle and lowly in heart, he said. You will find in me rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and life. He said that to a Jewish man, a teacher, respected man. He's not saying that to, to a He says that no one comes to the Father except through me. The Spirit and the Bride say, come. Let, us, let him who hears say, come. And let him who thirsts come. Whoever desires, let him take the water of life freely. He 
who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming quickly. Surely I am coming quickly, he said. Are you encouraged this uh, morning? Do you know that he's coming very soon? Do you know that everything he said that will characterize his soon return is happening before our very eyes? We are the only generation since the time of Jesus that can see all those prophecies being fulfilled. We are the generation that can see the fig tree blooming. Israel is back in the land. The coalition of Ezekiel 38 war is right there stage all around. We see the rise of the one world government. We see the rise of the one world religion. We see the day approaching. We don't have to hope. We don't have to pray for. We see the day approaching. And we must, as we get so close to the finish line, we must hold fast to that hope. For he who promised is faithful. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your promises that are yes and amen in Jesus. Father, I thank you that you indeed promised that Jesus will come back for his church, to take his church, to marry his church, and later on return with his church to reign and rule with her. Father, I I pray that if there is anyone here that is still stubborn and not giving his life to you, that today will be a day of salvation. Father, we thank you and we bless you this morning when we see all of these wonderful promises, but we hold on to that great promise of your soon return to take us, the rapture of the church. We bless your name today. May we all stand and I want to give you the ironic blessing in the Hebrew language before we leave everyone. Yevarechecha Adonai v'yishmerecha Ya'er Adonai panavelecha v'yichuneka Yisa Adonai panavelecha v'yasem lecha shalom The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance towards you all and give you his peace, that peace that surpasses all understanding that the world cannot give, not even un- nor understand. The peace that can only come from the Prince of Peace. He is the Lord of Peace who can give you peace now and forever, here and everywhere. He is our salvation. His name is Yeshua, Jesus. And it's in His name that we pray. And all of God's people say, Amen. Amen. Thank you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this podcast featuring Amir Sarfati, founder and president of Behold Israel. Connect with Behold Israel on Telegram, Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Download our free app available in Android and Apple under Behold Israel. Amir's teachings can be found in multiple languages. You can also visit our website, beholdisrael.org.